Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the No Fluff Actionable Marketing Podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you learn how to create and run revenue-generating campaigns through paid ads. My guest today is a Facebook ad specialist who likes long-form copy over video ads. Uh, she has 10 plus years experience as a copywriter. Uh, she managed seven-figure ads uh, under her belt. And she has quite a unique point of view about what she calls interruption marketing and paid ads in general, which is why I'm super happy to have you, Sarah Sal, on board. Welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Good. Because if you're unhappy, it will be a very bad interview. Yes. Uh, you might be unhappy in the end. No, you won't. I'm sure we'll have fun. So we talked uh, over email a bit and you said that paid ads like Facebook ads are interruption marketing. You define that as interruption marketing. Can you just define what that means? It means you have Google where people type airline ticket. They're looking for an airline ticket right now and you satisfy the demand. Facebook, you're interrupting them. They're chatting with their friend. They're looking at kitty in picture. And then you just shove a message on their face. And if you're going to interrupt them, you should make it worth it for them. And talking about shady marketing, it reminded me when I was in Chinatown in Kuala Lumpur, you walk there, it's hot, it's humid. People are screaming louder and louder. Fake watches for you. Fake handbag for you. Do you want belt, ma'am? And you have a horrible human traffic jam. And everyone is trying to scream louder and louder. And I see a person wanting to talk to me. And I just turn my back because I already have a headache. And he just put his hand on my shoulder. I nearly slapped him on the face. And that's what people are doing with interruption marketing. People say, hey, you just need to grab the attention, stop the click. No, you need to be the person that have the most interesting conversation. Imagine you're in Starbucks. You would not walk to a stranger and say, buy my product. You want to have conversations that make people head turn. And that's what I tell people. Forget you're on Facebook. Forget your social media. Maybe 10 years from now, Facebook doesn't exist or it's an Instagram or it's a discussion forum or Reddit. But the principle, you're talking to a human face to face. What do you say if you have somebody in front of you in a coffee shop that you don't know that you might make the conversation interesting? It's a very good story. And I was just I was thinking that you put, potentially had an example in this busy street of someone who actually grabbed the, your attention in a nice way. But I guess that wasn't it, right? There was no one who, in this multitude of, of chaos and, 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 and noise, that actually grabbed your attention successfully, right? I could find a good example. It was in London, Camden Town. And I think it used to be where people used to sell drug a few years ago. And everyone is like, pss, pss, pss. you want drug? What do you want? What do you want? And they try to sell you something. And if it's not drug, everyone has a banner just to say, this is a restaurant, this is a tattoo, etc. And the exit, there was somebody having some brownie that he was giving for free. People say, oh, hey free brownies and people will take and after you took a small bite and say hey if you love those brandy brownies they're handmade we just open a tea shop it's over there and by the way those are the type of tea we have and that's a really good way to grab people's attention as opposed to just uh, screaming which is what most people do is give people value 
first. And I would look at somebody add copies like claim after claim after claim that you have absolutely no reason to believe. And the way you stand out is you teach me something I did not know. That's how you stand out. How This is how you capture people's attention. And I tell people, somebody reading your ad, even if they never click on it, they should be able to say, oh, I learned something new I could apply to my business that I didn't know before reading that copy. I thought in the story you were talking about the brownie, I, I thought it was a drug dealer giving brownie. Yeah. And I thought they would say, hey, here's a nice brownie. Oh, by the way, do you want my drugs? But no, it's actually a T-shop. So it's a more legal way to do it. But in your example, though, and I don't want to pick on your stories that are very interesting, sure. by the way, and very good examples. In your example, though, you're not really teaching anything new. You are, you're giving a brownie. You're giving something for free. So would you consider that to be part of the same, like teaching something or, or is that a separate way of doing? I mean, well, this is, you didn't teach, you teach me that there is a new tea place. Uh, now, uh, if I was going to make it more interesting, instead of screaming to say tea, I would say why my tea is better. I give you an example. A lot of people who try matcha tea, they hate it. I even have friends, they say I tried matcha. It's taste like somebody blended a frog alive. And I say, you know why? Because the quality of the matcha is bad. They either mix it with a lot of sugar, syrup, but ceremonial matcha. Basically, they shade it. They take young leaves. They take the stems out. And it tastes very smooth. And if I taught you the difference between ceremonial matcha and regular matcha, and I said, you know what? We're not the Starbucks 40% sugar. We're not the one that is really better. You cannot drink it. We're more expensive, but we're better. It's about disqualifying the competition. I often love to play devil advocate. People will come on a coaching call uh, with me and I say, hey, okay, you're a financial planner. In Boston, there's 500 other financial planners. Why should anyone even listen to you and not the others? And people become defensive and they try to tell me why they are different. I give you an example. I had a coaching call with one in Boston and they focus on helping soldiers or veterans. And what he said, we're one of the few that survived the financial crisis. But let me give you a story. There's this military family. They travel nonstop, nowhere stable. It turned out the governmental default retirement was taxed at 30%. I said, don't invest under your name, invest under a company. And now the tax you pay get reduced by 20%. If you retire after 40 years, that's a huge difference how much money you make. And I'm like, that's your ad. They didn't know I was tricking them to, to poke them like a bee, but I often do it till they tell me why they are different and they speak at 100 miles per hour. And then I'm like, here is your ad. People are not going to figure why you are different. Yes, it's interruption marketing, but I could go to Google and with one click in two milliseconds, I could find 10 competitors. If you don't tell me what makes you unique, I'm not going to figure it out. Okay. So now I think people are excited enough to learn more about how do you do that? Because when we look, when I look at your examples and your case studies and stuff that has worked, obviously there is maybe a few stuff that didn't work for you, but it's easier to put that on the website to put the nice stuff, obviously. But it seems like you have a, you've developed some sort of a methodology, some sort of ways to say, we're not going to come at it from a one sentence only perspective. We're going to come at it from like telling a story 
uh, very much like you just told three stories in the space of like 10 minutes. We're going to teach them something new and whatnot by spinning out the copy. Before we go into the step-by-step to teach people how to do this, when you try to convince folks to actually use long-form copy on interruption marketing methods like Facebook ads, I'm going to lead you quite a lot on this, but what are the two things that they tend to say as excuses for not to do it. I got that from your website. I'm just asking you, like, there's usually two stuff they tell you, no? Okay, long copy is not for everyone. I'm not going to claim that long copy is going to work for every single business. It's two in the morning, you're partied, you're hungover, you want a pizza. You couldn't care less about the Italian family that made the tomato sauce. There are niches like fashion, or makeup. You just want something that looks beautiful. And if it's a $20 flip-flop, no amount of... It's not the copy that is going to make the difference. But there are niches like software, um, software as a service, professional services, coaching, health. Um, why should you take this type of supplement and not the other one? That it's all about conversation. And in real life, is the conversation that makes people read. And people often say, nobody read long copy. I have examples where some ad got hundreds of comments, even somebody leave one comment and they get 60 comments. I'm like, do you think people read or not? It's just that people don't read boring copy. And most of the long copy I see, that are only claim, 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 claim. It's like, oh my God, I was poor and desperate and I had $5 and then I discovered this magic and now I'm the richest of the richest person. I own the Ritz Carlton. This doesn't work. If you have something that captures people's attention, that educate them, that, hey, I interrupted you. I made it worthwhile for you to read that story. Then it worked. But an ad that is long copy to work should not look like an ad. It should look more like a conversation between you and a friend, something educational. Imagine somebody you paid a lot of money, okay? You ask a question in a private email. They reply to that email. It will not look like an ad. It will look like it's something personal. So that Yeah, would be I like that. So long copy is the first thing. But just to go back to one thing you said that is very interesting. It seems like what you're saying is long form copy works better for high ticket purchase so not not high ticket something where the con- where content or educating the prospect make them more likely to buy it yeah i would almost to be honest i would challenge you on this i mean you have more experience than me on that so maybe maybe yeah. i'm wrong um but even when you talk about pizza you talk about specific context okay i'm hangover i want a pizza yes yeah. long form yeah. copy might not work but surely it could work if you're a new pizzeria in town and and you want to really stand out against the competition by sure. telling the story like you know so it, so what you're saying is really it's not linked to the to the price it's more linked to the to the context if it's a if it's a commodity that purchase you want to buy it straight away like you, you know it doesn't really matter which brand then maybe it doesn't work as much but if you truly need to build the value and, and make people consider your stuff then maybe cool. it's worth trying right yeah, correct. I mean, going to the pizza, if I'm the only vegan pizzeria in town, saying I'm vegan, it's enough. If I live in, I don't know, Utah, and I used to live in Italy, and I got trained in Italy, and I'm the only chef that got trained in Italy, and I import all the product from Italy, it matters. It comes mm-hmm. down to why you are not the other, and are you able to say those are the reasons you should select me. I mean, maybe if you're a pizzeria in Utah, you say, hey, dairy in the U.S. is 
full of antibiotic, full of hormone. This is why I import them from Italy. I'm not sure if Italy is full of hormone or not, but I just made up that example. Like, hey, if you want pizza and you're not uh, eating pizza with hormone and antibiotics, come to me. But it comes down to, do you have something unique either in terms of content or why should somebody choose you and not choose the other person? I like it. Uh, and then and then you're saying that the second thing that people kind of challenge you on when we talk about long form stuff is the it feels like you're spilling the beans already, right? So you're not keeping the mystery alive, telling everything and then why would they click? So what do you say to that? I mean here's the thing when they say spilling the bean and the mystery, let's say I'm an expert on copywriting, is all my expertise of nine plus year in copywriting something I could write in a single long form ad? Is your whole experience about marketing something that you could write in two sentences or 10 sentences? There, always, there is always something people could learn more. So often I'm, I'm trying to find an example. One example is strategizer. They used to make 40 cents for each $1 they spent on ad. Their ad was like, The person is very known. I mean, they have a business book that sold over 5 million copies. But they're at, hey, we have a business model conference in San Francisco. See you there. I answered to the story of how Nokia used to spend 20 times more on R&D than Apple. Despite that, Apple became the number one. And iPhone and the Nokia that used to have 80% of the mobile phone market went to nearly 4%. Why? R&D cannot save you if you don't expand into new business model, new type of product. I mean, actually, Nokia, in your, what they call smartphone, they thought nobody wanted them. They are too expensive. And then like, hey, do you want to know what methodology people use to innovate the same way Apple did? Come to our conference and our conference, we're not only going to talk about Nokia or Apple. There is other things. So at the end, the call to action is we learn one thing, but you know what? There is way more from where that come from. And what were the results from 40 cents to how much? Oh, 18, 18 cents, $18, $18. So for every dollar originally, they only got 40 cents back, so they were losing money, correct? Yeah. yeah. And from the ad you created, they were generating $18 for every year. So, uh, eight, yeah, so that's that 18x the return. That's, that's huge. Yeah. They made know, obviously, 700,000. In total, they made, uh, when I run the ad for them, nearly uh, three quarters of a million dollars. Nice. And again... Let me be clear. I mean, this is very impressive. And you've already shared, I think, five stories in the, in the, in the last 17 minutes, which is really nice. And I like this format, but obviously you might have failures. There might have times where it didn't yeah. work, but I'm not going to ask you to name them necessarily. What's going to be interesting is from the failures, from the wins, from what you've learned. Let's try to go through a step by step together of how would you advise a business? Whether it's maybe a, a one-person independent sure. shop or someone who wants to launch a business or someone who wants to contribute to their business, how would they go about going after it? And the first time we got in contact, you mentioned the the, the episode with Joanna Weeb where yeah. I we talked about this weird fucking idea of a Simpson Museum and how you would you uh, promote it. I'm not going to ask you to promote a Simpson Museum, but let's find something interesting together, something you're comfortable yeah. with as a business model or an industry that we can just take as an example and then go for it. So what would you like to go for? I could take the example I wrote for Joanna Weber on Copy Hacker that most of it for us for a language course. A language course, okay. Yeah. So, so let's, say, let's say you want to learn French. 
right? Yeah. Uh, your English, you want to make your life super difficult by learning this awful, awful language that is French with so many peculiarities and I don't even know how I'm able to speak it. But anyway, you want to teach French, whatever. Sure. But, and you want to potentially do some ads, you have some budget, right? Let's say you have not a crazy budget, but you have some budget, you have a product, you've sold it before, it's not a brand new thing, right? Let's say that. Yeah. And you have people in marketing that can help you. You're not just on your own. Let's, let's, let's say that as an example. So how do you go from that state where you might have tried ads, never worked out to a state where you actually make so much out of the ads, you have to stop them? Normally what I do, I look at content. I never start from a blank page. And uh, you mentioned French. Actually, the French teacher hated me because I never understood the grammar. It's like French gram uh, language. You could pronounce it different. No, you write it differently, but it's pronounced the same way, which always made me make mistakes. So what I do, I would look at YouTube video, ebook, webinar, um, interview customer. I would even forget that I'm a marketer. I would take my marketer hat off, and each time I have an aha moment, I write down. I say, "This is excellent way, good way." I would give you a few ideas. What is a misconception people have about an industry? A misconception, and that's an ad that did really well, is that kids learn a language faster. Not really, even according to university research, is that a kid never give up. If the kid wants a sandwich, the kid will cry for 60 minutes till he gets a sandwich. He might say, sandwich, 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 and you have no idea and say, what do you want? And after 60 minutes, you're defeated. You said, oh, sandwich? You say, Okay, and they stop crying. Now, imagine you go to Spain and you don't speak the language. When you say, and café, por favor, they say, okay, what type of coffee you want? You're not, you're not going to repeat, I want a coffee and cry for 60 minutes. You're going to switch to English, right? And that's why the adult tend to learn the language less faster, despite that they, have, they know what's a language, what's a structure, what's a grammar, is that they give up. It's not that their brain uh, is less developed than a kid. The other thing, what is a question people always would ask is like, I would imagine there is a type of question that people ask you to the point you're sick and tired of answering it. And this is why I wrote the ad for the article for Copy Hacker, because I'm like, hey, here is 10 ways you could write different ad copy. Go read it. Don't, instead of me explaining it to you for the hundredth time. Example about language. People ask, should I learn individual words? should I learn sentences? And the person behind it said, no, you learn sentences because a word appears in a context, in a structure. And that makes you speak like the native people. The other thing would be stories, interesting story. I mean, there was a story of a parrot who used to speak English with a British accent, got lost, came back and said, habla espanol. And we said, hey, what is the moral of the story? We don't want to tell a story for the moral of telling it if we cannot link it with the learning. And the learning is like, you know what? The parrot just kept repeating sentences she heard frequently. And that's how you learn a language. By the way, we have an ebook of frequently sentences. And to get your clients. I mean, actually, it's very interesting. I helped write ad for the Copywriter Club. They have a course called the Copywriter Accelerator. And mm -hmm. one person that was listening to the interview ended up buying the $2,000 product. Basically, she didn't have the money. She borrowed the money from her father. And she started as, an, as just somebody who was helping me with the product. And the problem with the interview, 
Most people are like, oh yeah, that's a great course. I got a good result. No, I want. Imagine you're interrogating them, like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pay the two thousand dollar, but I want to know what made the difference. And one person uh, named uh, Jean Wattish, the really famous copywriter now, um, she said, oh, now it's the crisis, and I got an $8,000 contract. Okay, good, but not interesting, because anyone could claim anything. I said, no, 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 no. The copywriter accelerator taught me how to make proposal. But the proposal is you need to understand why someone wants a product, what they want to achieve. And the first proposal was $5,000, but she learned that they wanted to have a webinar and sell a service via the webinar. And she said, oh, you forgot to ask for a webinar onboarding series to make people sure they attend the webinar and also to make sure people buy after they attended the webinar. And despite that she was more expensive than anybody else, the company said, hey, when could we hire you? Can we start uh, easier? So just interview customer. I mean, sometimes I just interview customer, I uh, interrogate them and one question lead to the other and when I think I got into their brain, their language, I just transformed this into an ad. Okay. So that sounds like this is, to be honest, this this is interesting, but it still sounds like a black box, but okay. we're going to deconstruct it together because sure. you said a few interesting stuff. So first, you not, it seems like you naturally think this way, so it might be difficult for you to extract that, but okay. I'm pretty sure we'll get there. You think in terms of finding those misconceptions, finding those interesting stories. You have a yeah. way to tell stories. You have a way to remember them. You like off the bat, you, you remember three stories relating to language, even though we've never told you that we'll talk about language uh, yeah. necessarily. So it seems like the first step you take is you immerse yourself in the world of the company you're going to work for, right? right? So in the, in the context of language course, in the context of a pizzeria, you basically absorb as much as you can. Do you have a specific source that you go first, second, third, or is it a bit messier? No, it's a client because if I work for a specific client, it's the client content. The client might have email series, they might have a book, they might have a YouTube series, they might have webinars because that's what makes the client unique because if I work for three companies that sell language courses, what makes them unique is different. Their story is okay. different. So you basically, you basically yeah. ask them for all the materials they have, everything, exactly. their blog, and even podcast. if they allow me to speak to their client, that's very important. Okay, but let, let's let's we, we'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes in terms of talking okay, to sure. clients because I understand. Uh, but this this first step is not something we talk about that much. So you basically have, do you, where do you store this? Like, do you put that in a trailer board where you have everything? Like, how do you do it? I all tend to put it on a Google Doc, not the most organized okay. uh, thing, Fine. but basically we have. ID, aha moment. Uh, ah, ah. You see, and we're then, getting somewhere. Yeah, we're getting somewhere. This is an aha so, moment, number one. Uh -huh. Aha moment, number two. Aha moment, uh, number three. And I call them angles. So uh, for now, see? I'm very disorganized. I'm like, angle number one, kid don't learn better than the other. Uh, angle number two, forget about grammar because you'll get demotivated, start by learning a language, by using the power of the story. Angle number three, this is how the brain works. Don't feel guilty about forgetting. But if you set yourself ambitious goal, 
you will never do it because it's more like a marathon and not a sprint. And then I'm like, oh, now you... I have 10 add angle and then I could transform them into longer copy. Okay. How do you recognize angles? Like, what are the things that make you say and think, shit, this, this is interesting? Now, it might come from your gut, it might be from experience, but as best as you can, trying to teach someone, like, let's say if you had to teach someone to actually do this for you because you don't have time, yeah. what would you tell them? What, how do you recognize angles that are potentially interesting? Okay. Let's say you have a user. They're going to read the ad. The aim is, I taught you something you didn't know before reading that ad. So when I look at the content, I look at everything I learned I didn't know beforehand. So if some copies say, imagine being in Argentina and being able to order food in perfect Spanish, I didn't learn anything new. Now I read the content. Oh, this is how the brain works according to brain research. I'm like, oh, I learned something new. Uh, I give an example. I helped a woman with a depression webinar. Her story was interesting because I didn't know her story before reading it. But most interesting, I found the problem. Doctor, like, open your mouth, swallow the pills. And according to Harvard, as they've been prescribing each year 30% more um, antidepressant, now we have 400% people who are more depressed. Before I read I learned something new. I have a new knowledge that five minutes before reading this, I didn't know. Another one is Nigeria, a poor country. There are less depressed people, nothing to do with money, success, infrastructure. In Western world, we eat a lot of processed food. There, they eat fresh food, and it has to do with the gut bacteria. Oh, I learned something I didn't know. And the same way it had that punch on me. Oh, really? What you eat? really depend on being depressed or not because how your digestive tract work. Okay, that's a good angle because I didn't know it and probably a lot of people who are going to read the ad are not going to know it. So it seems like, yeah, teaching something new, but also it seems like, so something completely new that you didn't know, you didn't know, like that's fine. But yeah. also it seems like there's another type, which is the things you thought you knew that are actually wrong, like the misconception. So to me, yeah. it seems like you have two types that you'd like to come back to. Is that right? Actually, it's much more uh, than that, but they uh -huh. just picked those examples. And I think it's, it's, you want something that catches people's attention. Let me think of an example. I mean, I wrote some ads for a conference where Malala spoke. It's like the woman that stood uh, to the Taliban. If I said Malala, everyone know her story. Um, so I would look, what is something about her story that I didn't, Uh, no, so I look for a hook, something that shocked me. And one of the examples was for a conference. I have the example in front of me. It's somebody who escaped from Hungary during the revolution and arrived in Canada. He was homeless and he was sleeping on the train station bench. And he only survived because train station worker would give him one apple every day. And I think emotionally, the emotion You're not indifferent to that. There is like kind of a punch, like, wow, okay, I cannot stop reading that the story is not bland. So it's a combination between teach me something I didn't know, but you're still interrupt me. So is there some hook that will make me stop looking at cat picture or video and want to read the rest of the ad because the hook is really strong? So it's basically what we call a framework like Ada. Ada would be an example. It's like, 
you capture people's attention, you teach them something they don't know, you tell them how this could solve a problem or make their life better, and then you end up by the call to action, like, oh, it's my product or service that will give you that result. Okay. I, I love this. And uh, thanks for going through these steps. Um, I would say this first step. It feels like this is something that folks need experience with. You can't just put them, like, you, obviously, you can be your own customer in a sense, like you come from a, from a fresh mind and you, you've never heard of a topic like, I don't know, depression in detail. So you don't know anything. So you're surprised by ev- almost every single thing or many things. But I wonder then how you deal with it when you know the industry inside out. Let's say you're, you're, there's a lot of SaaS copywriters, software as a service copywriters out there, for example. And like, once you know everything there is to know about SaaS, do you feel like sometimes you get stuck where you can't find anything interesting or do you feel like there's always something interesting that you there, can find? I mean, your podcasts are shady marketers who are pushy. I would, I would turn the frustration into ad copy. I give you an example for Facebook ad. People used to say, oh, you could target people who have money on Facebook and because they have money, they're going to buy. And I say, number one, no targeting is perfect. Number two, if I have a one-star hostel just because I show the ad to a rich person, they're not going to buy. And I'm like, what makes people go to the Ritz Carlton at $400 per night is saying if it's two in the morning and you're hungry and you're jet lagged and you're vegan, the chef will make sure you have a meal you could order via room service. It's not the fact that you are rich and you have money and you're burning money. It's how you communicate your value and 90% of people who see an ad for a Rolex watch or Ritz Carlton can neither afford other, but it's how they communicate the value. So it's this frustration where people say, Facebook marketing, there is this magical pill. You push two buttons, and at the end of the two buttons, you're going to make money. And I say, I really disagree. What you're teaching people is wrong. It's just wrong. How dare you say it? It's basically, how dare you say that? You're basically taking advantage of people in Europe. So there is always yep. some frustration in the industry. No, no, I get you. So I, I want to break. I think there's two other steps that, that you mentioned sure. that I want to talk to. So one is, and I'm not sure if I understood correctly, so please correct me if I'm wrong. You said, yeah, sure. I like to talk to the clients as well. So are we talking about talking to the customer's customer or are you talking yes, about the... Yes. Yes, okay, yes, so, okay. Yes. so let's talk about that briefly because I mean, the podcast, we talk about that a lot, talking to customers. I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Yeah. What type of questions do you like to ask actual customers? Like what are the things that you like to ask them? And let's talk about the example again of the language course we're trying to sell here. What would you like to ask them? I never interviewed the customer of the language course, but I give you an example of marketing because that's uh, your audience. Um, I had a marketer named Dennis Hsu who did run ad for Nike, Adidas, Rosetta, so on, et cetera. I said, I have that conference, a radio case study about strategizer. I said, who can I interview? He said, go interview Gavin. First thing Gavin said, oh, Dennis Hsu is great. I got good results. I said, I don't care. Tell me something that you're doing differently as a result of working with Dennis Yu. What was the before? What was a mistake or action you took as a result of working with him? And what was the outcome? And he said, oh, he, I had no guest blog article on authority website. He helped me get published on social media examiner. I put the logo on my website. Now everyone think I'm an expert. My rate went from... 
49 to 150 or something like that. The second thing, everyone who used to want to talk to work with me, I said, yes, jump on a phone call. Now I said, no, 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 you need to first book a consulting session where you pay for it. And then we decided for a good fit. So basically I ask about the actionable step and how it transformed their business or their life. But that sounds like that's that's interesting somewhat to know the result and whatever, but isn't it a bit boring compared to the stories you told before? Or or like do you find a hook inside that? Uh, I'm challenging you a bit here because I want to see what you could find a hook. So for that okay. example, I was telling the story of a sandwich shop that used to say, hey, we're making those sandwiches. We use fresh bread. When it runs out of fresh bread, we close. Because the bakery, they sell us only that many bread. And if we get up until 9 p.m., then we use a lower quality bread. And people are standing in line. And I use it to say as a parallel, it's the same thing with marketing. If you're able to communicate what makes you unique, people are going to stand in line. But the other thing, if you're in that niche, it's not going to sound boring. I mean, I write ads for the most boring niches. For the white public would say, hey, this is boring. But for somebody who's in that niche who suffer from a certain problem or could achieve a certain outcome result, it's not boring. Okay. So step one, we you collect everything you have to know about the business and you, yeah. you go at it from a beginner's mind and you take yeah. notes. You just take Google Doc and you just take note. Ah, this is potential angle. This is a potential angle. Yeah. Then you interview customers, your clients' customer. Yeah. How many do you like to interview briefly? Like what's usually a good number? For as, you? Much as, as, as much as they have, some clients say, hey, there is only one or two clients that is ready to interview. And some, if I could interview 10, I would interview 10, given that they have time. Okay. So you interview them and you just let them tell tell their story, right? And you dig in. Yeah, it's interrogation. It's interrogation. Like I'm doing right now. Yeah. Uh, and then step three, you said something else. You, you, you said that you would talk to, to the client itself, right? So, because yeah. you said at the start, you said you would like to challenge them to think about what is unique. And I'm going like, to, I'll be honest here. I think this is one of the, the toughest thing for people to do because there's so much inside the jar. They can't see the label, right? They, it's like, it's, it's almost an impossible task to find out what is unique about a marketing consultant or a copywriter when there are literally hundreds of thousands of copywriters, hundreds of thousands of marketing consultants, or at least people who claim to be. But it's the yeah. same thing. I mean, on the internet, everyone is a, a, can be an expert or can be perceived as one. So how do you, how do you get this uniqueness out of them? I mean, by play rolling that I'm a client. It's like, hey, I'm a client. I could give you money right now. But if I give you money, you need to tell me why you, because you're charging me $1,000 and somebody else is charging 200 Why are you worth it and people often will get if some might have nothing unique if they have nothing unique i cannot beat them and have them give me something unique then they need maybe to think about what makes them unique and some of them they have a lot of things that make them unique they never thought about communicating it it's like they think this is a facebook ad i'm going to write a short sentence and that's all i give, I give you an, another example i know i'm heavy on examples it was a tax consultant and people will say you're $10,000, there's somebody who makes it for 500. And I said, yes, but I never play safe. I look for every single deductible. And even if the IRS disagree, I would go to them and argue with them, tell you when. The other for $500 said, oh, 
the IRS asks you to give them $5,000, too bad, I cannot help you. And often it's just people never think about writing it in an ad, but if you interrogate them, they would tell you. And if somebody's a McDonald and there is 200 McDonald's in the same city, there's nothing unique about that McDonald. Why would I drive 20 minutes 20 minute to that McDonald's if there is a McDonald's next to my home? I hate McDonald's, by the way, but sometimes not everyone has something unique and you cannot do anything about it. So do you choose to work with them if there's something, if there's yeah. nothing unique? You know, you say no. No, I, I give it, I mean, sometimes people contact me, say, hey, I want to start an online business. I look at their blog posts. They have maybe 20, 30 blog posts. I'm like, is this generating any traffic or clients for you? They say, no, I just paid somebody $50 per blog post and that's it. I'm like, Facebook cannot amplify what's not working already. Um, fix your content, then come back. Because if people have a content problem, I could have the best targeting, the best Facebook ad strategy, the best Facebook ad copy, but Facebook doesn't work alone without interacting with the rest of the content that the business has. It's not, it's not a magical solution that could sell everything and nothing. So you, you can't polish a third. Exactly, exactly. So, okay, so we've gone through step one, which is basically trying to, like, beginner's mind, collect everything about the business, yeah. then talking to the customer's customer, talking to the customer himself or, or herself or themselves. Then what do you do once you have this wealth of information? I organize it into angles that I might present to the client. I say I have angle one, angle two, angle three, angle four. Choose a few ads. Okay. It's basically high level. So I don't tell somebody I'm going to make you a cake with egg and milk. And the person said, I am vegan. Then, okay. They say, I like this ad angle. Expand on it, and then you make it interesting. For example, using framework like Ada, you want to capture people's attention. It's like the first sentence is what makes people decide: do they want to continue reading, or do they want to scroll further? Okay, I captured your attention. Now what? Give me some value or a promise, or teach me something that I didn't know, where the outcome it might make my life or my business easier, or avoid a certain problem. Uh, and then the call to action is like, why is that client solution uh, the answer? So if I go to the language one, yes, the parrot learned Spanish, but we're not telling you go uh, to Dialingo because we're the one that have an ebook with common Spanish sentences that you could download right now. So it's basically how to organize that in a structure, like capture the attention, give some content, present the solution, and then why is your solution the answer? Okay. This still feels like there's a lot of steps into one, but that's yeah. normal. That's the way. So we have a few angles and you pitch that to the client. Then they pick one or two, three, and they say, yeah, any of them would be fine. Okay. So then how do you tell me more about the way you turn this angle into an actual copy that is ready to go on whatever channel, like it could be Facebook, whatever. Do you start working straight away? Just write the copy, like, you know, fully. Then you revise it the next day. Do you write an outline for the, the copy? Then write it, then edit it, then edit it again. Like, what's your typical process? I tend to say copy is the same as food. If you keep it one day in the fridge, the flavor will become stronger. So I would write an 
outline, like start, middle, uh, end of uh, the ad. Let it on the fridge because um, the next day... So you, take, you take your computer and you put it in the fridge or your paper and you put it in the fridge, literally? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a way for speaking. It's like your fresh copy yeah, is not the one. And if you revise it the second day, but most importantly, if I work on copy, I always work with somebody else, okay? So if I'm mean? the so I would have people I work that I train. So if let's say I'm the one interviewing, I might give them the angle and the transcript and I tell them to write it. Why? Because I want to make sure I communicated clearly. Did what they write when I read it back was what I, is in my head or would I tell them, oh, no, 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 no. This is not what I meant. Please change it. And often when you have four eyes on a copy, it's better because... If I read it, if one, they don't understand me, probably the person reading the ad is not going to understand. If I read it back and I don't understand what I wanted it to say, probably the user on Facebook would be the same. And then, of course, I give it to the client because you want it to look like a copy that was written by an expert, not a copywriter, because there would always be domain knowledge that would look like it was written by somebody not a domain knowledge based on mistake, not knowing the niche of the industry. And if the client is happy, we just uh, create the ad, target the audiences, look at the numbers and so on. It's actually the first time I ever heard someone mention that. It's a very, very, very interesting tip. Something I figured out before. It's it's very difficult, again, to, to get... Once you're, once you're inside the jar to, to, to get out, uh, out of it, even if you're a copywriter working for a client, it's easy to get into this jar and not being able to get out because you, you take stuff for granted. You, you, you absorb knowledge. You, you think, you think all of that. So to make sure I understand what you're saying, you, you ask someone else to write it for you to make sure that they understand what you're trying to say. Is that it? Or do you write yeah. it and then give it to them to make sure they understood? It's in, in different steps. So I might write the angles, ask them to write the ads, and then I review it. So it's nearly like tandem. I do step one, they do step two, I do like step three. And the sense, it's easier to criticize somebody else's work than your own one. But I would do the high level, the strategy, this, the outline, and then read it to make sure I understood because it's easier to criticize what somebody else wrote than what I wrote myself. Gotcha. But it's a very interesting tip. Uh, and then the, the other thing that you mentioned, something I do, I'm not the best copywriter, far from it, but something I've noticed is that very much like a good bœuf bourguignon, uh, which is a French dish where that you cook with, with, with beef and, and red wine, it's much, much better once you cook it once and then leave it aside and then cooking twice and then leave it aside. And I do that with my copy as well. So I, I would really let my brain on the back, in the background work for myself. Uh, and I found like you can find stuff then, which is like the rule of the shitty first copy, right? The shitty first draft. So how long did it, does it typically take you from start to finish? Like from you have the angle to having the, the, the copy written. I would say this is approximate because I never measured it, but more or less uh, one week. And I say more or less one week because you cannot force uh, creativity. And there are, I mean, I never believe in saying write 10 pages per day, write 50 ads per day because some of them are going to be horrible. And sometimes it's better if you're not creative not to write. And once you have the creativity, finish writing it and you have a better quality writing. I believe more in the quality than quantity. 
Okay. So is there a particular, like we're talking about Facebook ads, paid ads, and we're going to have to talk about some sort of platform here because even though f- hopefully Facebook is gone in five years, uh, but I'm sure there'll be another another thing to fill the void. What are the formatting things? What are the, 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 the principles that you like to apply for that type of platform when writing copy? Like, is it better to have long paragraph or short paragraph, that kind of thing? I know it might be, you might find uh, examples of things that are the opposite of that, but generally speaking, what you see happening? I think as long as you give value, you teach, you entertain, you're not doing a hard sell, it doesn't matter because 10 different people are going to have a different type of uh, writing. And as long as there is aha moment, there is value, you taught me something I didn't know, it's basically the content that teaches something. And I often get people who say, Facebook, should I do video or text? I said, it doesn't matter. Maybe if I made video, I would make people fall asleep. And maybe I'm better at writing text. Maybe somebody else, their writing is horrible, but their energy on the video is so good that everybody's going to watch. It's just that content is what makes people look like an expert. And it's content that makes people go... Uh, move from not being a client to potentially a client and from potentially a client to a client or even a repeat client for existing clients. So it doesn't matter what you're saying, right? It's like the format doesn't matter. And I like the word energy. It's something I use a lot as well to explain things. And sometimes I feel it's not that clear when you explain it, like when you talk about this energy thing, but it's, again, I think it takes experience and a bit of gut feeling to follow. But this energy is really about like the flow of things and and is it boring as fuck when you watch this video? Is it boring when you read this copy? Or instead, does it give you some, you know, exactly. to be honest, when the, the, the few stories that you said during the podcast, like the ones about the brownie and, and, and I thought that it was a drug dealer giving the brownie and all of that. Those are the type of stories that actually interested me, genuinely interested me saying, shit, what's the end of this story? And I think this is a good sign of this kind of energy and this flow of like, um, you to saying about the, the, about language saying that, um, that actually it's not true that kids uh, learn languages uh, faster. This is the kind of shit that I will remember. And and you did it quite quickly. So I can see that you're pretty good at what you're doing. Uh, and hopefully during this interview, we've been able to deconstruct it enough so that people can can use that as well. And then I suppose what you need to do is just ship the ad and see how it works and then tweak it, right? Exactly, exactly. It's dipping your toe into the water marketing, especially interruption marketing. You, it's better to have something not perfect you free it, you test it, people are voting with their mouths. If it do well, keep it. If it doesn't do well, you keep going and doing more tests. Yeah, exactly. Amen to that. Is there anything about your process that I've forgotten to ask? Is there a secret sauce, something that you like to tell others that they don't really know that I've forgotten to ask you about? I think it was, no, it was pretty uh, complete. I'm sure maybe there is something in the back of my mind that I forgot saying, but I think it's pretty complete. Okay. So I'm going to ask you three questions I always ask at the end of the of the episode. And thank you, by the way, for going through this with me. I know it's not no. easy to be uh, interrupted, <laughs> but we've, we've done it. So what do you think marketers uh, should learn today that will help them in the next 5, 10, 50 years? Multi-channel marketing. You could be an expert on Facebook and you know Facebook really good, but you should know a little bit of Google, a little bit of copywriting, a little bit of email because every marketing channel never works in its own. It interacts with many one. Facebook could drive Google organic and Google could also drive Facebook or a conversion could start on Facebook and finish via 
email, especially if it's a high price item, and understanding what work in niches outside of one own specialty really give you the edge. Yeah, amen to that. I think I think a lot of people think that people are in this silo and, and they just they see an ad, they buy straight away. Like, well, digital marketing, I mean, the practice of doing marketing on digital platforms, because I don't think there is digital marketing per se. But anyway, this practice, it's very easy to think of numbers as this kind of gospel thing and trusting every single number and trusting your Google Analytics. Well, in fact, journeys from customers and from just normal people are very much different. They are much more complex. Uh, they are coming back and forth between each step. They, As you said, they switch platform, they switch context. You can't track every single movement they have. So don't overly obsess over those numbers and instead obsess over those people behind the screen who are actually, you know, trying to learn from you and, and buy from you. What are the top three resources you recommend um, I was going to listeners. say made to stick, but I know other people in your episode said it, so I'm not going to expand on it. But I would say a book by Andy Bound called Jelly Effect. And basically, he's someone who's blind from one eye. His mother was blind, which means he needed to be able to explain to things she's not able to see, like what is an image, what's people, what's movie. And he said, you know what? If you make him marketing, writing a message, people are blind to your own agenda. He's not somebody who did an MBA, who studied marketing, who worked for a big company, but that life disadvantage taught him about how to communicate clearly better than anybody else. And actually, he helped Barclays get a £2.6 billion deal because of his communication skills. So that would be number one, um, The Jelly Effect by Andy Bound. The third one, nothing to do with marketing. It's called Catch Me If You Can by Frank Abagnale. He's basically a very famous scammer. He used to be a scammer. He would make fake checks. He would pretend he's an airline pilot. And at some point when he was doing it, he was at GFK, and somebody asked him, so what machine you're flying? And he ignored the question, the pilot, what machine? And he's just dressed as a pilot because... People trust people who dress as pilot when they get fake check. And he just said something wrongly. He said, General Electric. And then he thought about it. Oh, my God. I look like a stupid who's flying a washing machine. And then he started learning the terminology. He would read flying magazine. He would go to a bar where pilot are and just listen to your, their conversation, what they say. And even one day he was in Atlanta in a really luxurious uh, gated community. And people ask, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a pediatrician. And okay, it went. And once at a party, they said, oh, you should meet that person. He's also a pediatrician and he escaped from the party. And just so people doesn't discover that he's taken identity that's not his, he would go to Atlanta Library, read book, magazine, medical journal, etc. And when he remet the doctor one month later, they're so impressed. He said, oh, I'm on vacation leave and I'm on absence leave. They really believed he was a doctor and even offered him a job. The moral of the story, okay, don't do market research to scam people because what he did was bad, like using fake check, etc. But if you really go deep, know the language people are using to the point where you say, I'm one of you, then your marketing gets much, much better than if you just throw things at the wall. So this is why I selected Catch Me if Love you it. can. Yeah, I think it's a very, very good uh, learning story. I love this story. I love the movie as well, uh, DiCaprio. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, you've been... Uh, 
Yeah, you've been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for sharing your tips and your secret sauce and all of that. Where can uh, listeners connect with you and learn more from you? On my website, so it's Sarah with an H at the end, minus sign, sal.com, or on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. So social media. Social media, indeed. Hi, right, Sarah. Once again, thank you so much. You're welcome. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.